If I was uh, young these days, I, I would have ADHD. Um, I can't focus on one thing. I, I, will, I need to have multiple things to keep my life full mm -hmm. and uh, to stay sane. Mm -hmm. That's just how I'm wired. How old are you? I'm 64. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know you're older than me. Yeah. You're not older than me. <laughs> I'm 64. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I'm 69. Yeah, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I've always thought you look young. So. Yeah, I thought you look, you know you look young, so you're kicking I mean, it. People do tell me. And you feel like, wow, it makes you feel so good, doesn't it? Because <laughs> they're just getting started, and you've been there, done yeah, that. Right, right. It gives you a different feel. It's like I can almost tell what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you ever get that feeling? Not really. My kids have gone off in really their independent directions. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, I mean, it's great to see them succeeding. I mean, mm -hmm. that's good. And I, I can sort of help them uh, bypass some of the pitfalls. If they take your advice. Yeah, well, even if they don't take my advice, at least they can't say they didn't know. There you go. Yeah. That's true. Whereas for me, uh, I literally didn't have anybody to tell me at all. Right. Yeah. Well, Terry, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you. We haven't talked since 2002. Something like that. No, really, because I mean, yeah. I went to your office once, yeah. but I think it was 2002 the last time we got together and said anything. But I believe my son has been involved in one of your programs that you had at your home. I think you've yes. had a couple of things right, like that's that. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to uh, do entrepreneurship, uh, you know, mini seminars, right. uh, helping people understand, you know, the um, cycle of business mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, from startup to. Uh, selling. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, Terry, where were you born? Where? Where? I was born in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, in a tiny farming town uh, north of Auckland, mm -hmm. which is a major city in New Zealand. Yeah. Do you have siblings? I have one sister. And she's older or younger? Uh, she's younger. She's 18 months younger. 18 months younger. Are yes. you guys close? Uh, we are. Okay. But, you know, as close as you can be when one of you lives uh, 8,000 kilometers away. That's not that far now. I mean, <laughs> come on. You guys have the same time zone, though. Uh, close. Almost. Yeah, we're about three hours. Three hours. Yeah, that's different. Difference, yeah. So you're ahead of her by three hours. Uh, no, Japan no, she, is behind. So oh, that's right. Yeah. They're behind you. That's right. right. Yeah. New Zealand and uh, the uh, east coast of Australia, mm -hmm. because I immigrated from New Zealand to Australia. Right. Uh, they're, they're both ahead of Japan. Okay. Yeah. How old were you when you immigrated? How old were you when you went uh, I was uh, 19. Uh, we, we have this thing in New Zealand called OE, uh, Overseas Experience, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and pretty much every Kiwi, much like Israel, every Kiwi leaves New Zealand and goes somewhere. And many of them go to Australia, of course, which is not that far, it's 1,500 kilometers away, uh, or they'll go to the UK. Okay. Uh, in my case, I went to Australia first and then somehow wound up in Japan. Yeah. Mm. And tell me about your are your parents alive, both of them? Doing okay? uh, no, my father passed away when he was 61. Okay. Uh, so that's quite some time ago. I, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years ago mm -hmm. now. And um, my mother is still alive. Okay. Uh, and uh, actually, she just lost her fourth husband. So she's outlived four husbands. Was your father the first? He was. She only had two children then? Uh, that's other? correct, yes. Okay. Yeah. She, and she's had four, four husbands. Three more after your father. That's right. And each of them died of cancer or heart attacks. 
Is she doing okay? I mean, uh, she's having a bit of a rough time. Uh, she was very close to the fourth husband, and so mm-hmm. uh, I'm actually going down to New Zealand in June mm-hmm. uh, to help her sort things out. Uh, mm. Wow. So we're, we're close to the same age. I know that because you just told me earlier. Yes. And um, so she had you late in life or really early? No, really early. She was okay. 19. So okay. uh, she's 84 now. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. my mother's 94. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my mother's 94. Still driving. Still bowling. Oh she bowls once a week. Wow. Yeah, and I go to see her this June. So we know where you get your physical fitness right. from. I'll tell you. I'll yeah. tell you. She's really quite a person. She's, and she came here when she was 91. I had her here on her 91st birthday. Wow. And this is no joke. I did not try to, by any means, allow my mother to beat me in bowling, but she beat me the first game by two points. <laughs> I took her over here to Odaiba, and she beat me the first game. I have it on video. That's it just so blew my mind. Wow. So tell me, so when you went to Australia, well, how do you, well, tell me about schooling, first of all. You told me your father was a farmer? Uh, yeah, sort farm? of, he, he was sort of a farmer. So my family on my mother's side were all builders, uh, originally from uh, England. Actually, I, I've been, uh, over the last 10 years, uh, exploring our family tree, okay. which I've taken all the branches back to the 1700s. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's quite fascinating. And they're all from England? Uh, no, uh, I've got um, German, uh, Austrian, um, yeah, and lots of British and Scottish. Okay, okay. Yeah. So all Europe. So tell me, did your mother stay married to your father until he passed? Or no, no, they divorced. Uh, it, how old were you when they passed? When they separated? Uh, six, basically. Six or oh, seven Oh, so you years didn't old. grow up with them together? Uh, well, the like, first six years I did, uh, but yeah, no, not, okay. not really, but I... I um, Reconnected with my father when I was 16 or 17. Okay, so your stepfather, yeah. then she married someone else and it was your stepfather? Yes, that's You right. were close with him? No, I was not. Yeah, actually, I didn't like him at all. Um, did he stay with... Did oh, well, he, he was the one who died of a heart attack, so, you know... But how old were you when that happened? I had already left home, so uh, I think I was 20 or 22 okay. or something like You'd that. You'd already gone to Australia? I'd already gone to Australia. Okay, so he was with you from six until the time you left. Uh, that's right. Uh, no, no. Uh, so my parents divorced. Um, we come from a family that's very polarized. So uh, on my mother's side, her brother was extremely wealthy, and we lived in a little house down on the edge of their property. So uh, we lived on the beach, actually. And uh, that was uh, four or five years. Uh, every day we'd go down to the beach. Back then, poor people lived on the beach okay. because nobody likes sand. <laughs> These days, it's the exact opposite, right? But anyway, that's the way it was back in the early 60s. Were you really aware of this? Uh, yeah, because Emotionally? my cousins would go uh, off to Hawaii for holidays and we would stay home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I was aware of it and it certainly uh, had some influence in my thinking later uh, about wanting to help myself and, and um, improve my lot. Uh, so anyway, um, my mother was uh, single for three, four years. Uh, she met my stepfather. Uh, they got married when I was 10 or 11. Um, I, I clearly remember when I was 11 uh, being taken to the local courthouse and uh, to, to get my name changed because he adopted me, uh, something you used to do in New Zealand back then. And um, so the parents were cleared out of the room and the judge and me and the judge says, well, son, uh, you know that you're going to change your name. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, so what's the name going to be? And I said, 
well, can I have the name James Bond? <laughs> because they had told me I could change my name. Okay, all right. So I wanted to be called James Bond. <laughs> so that's really, you really believe that? I, I, that's what I believed. Okay, and so, okay. of course, the judge called my mother in and she had to explain to me that actually I didn't get a choice. So we negotiated, actually. And in the end, my name, which started off as Terence, which I hated as a kid, uh, became Terry. And my mother wrote down Terry Lloyd, uh, which was my stepfather's name, and she misspelled the Terry because she was female. She didn't know that there was a male version and a female version. Okay. So ever since then, whenever I deal with particularly Americans, uh, if they don't know I'm a, f a male, they, they think, think you're I'm female, female because you have the because IE. of the spelling. That's right. Just one of the many little glitches in Isn't life. Right? Yeah. So what was your father's, what was your name prior to that? Uh, Dodd, D-O-D-D. D-O-D-D. Yeah, so his heritage was uh, uh, border Scot. And if you know anything about Scotland, uh, the border Scots were considered the scum of Scotland because okay. they were continually fighting the <laughs> British and the Scottish, the British and the Scottish, no one liked them. So they're very tough. And uh, my uh, father's mother's side came uh, from, uh, again, border Scot, but they were... Uh, on the coast, so they were fisher people, and uh, always uh, drowning and uh, you know getting killed and stuff like that. It was a very harsh life. Yeah, very fascinating imagine. to go back through the family tree. You're back to the 1700s. The 1700s, and, wow. and seeing how they died, how they immigrated, uh, you know the tough life that they had. Uh, they would have a child called Alice, and then that child would die, and then they'd have another one called Alice. So you get three Alice's in a row because they were trying to get one of them to survive. It was a very harsh, harsh time back in the 18, 17 and 1800s. Well, whose side are you looking at the most? Your mother or your father's side? No, they're both fascinating. No, how, but yeah. you, you've actually gone through your father's side as well. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, Okay. I have, yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes it's a little hard to unblock, you know, who did what to whom and, and, and which of the Alice's it was and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a member of uh, various uh, uh, genealogy sites and that sort of thing. And of course, I've done my 23andMe. Right. Uh, so, yeah, um, somehow, one way or another, I've sort of got it down pretty well. And these days, I get people contacting me on Wikitree, which is the Wikipedia version of family trees, right. uh, asking me about their ancestors. Because whom, whom aren't related to you. I know, well, eventually we're all related. Yes, of course, yes. of course. So it's quite easy to find relationships, especially in Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I see. Everybody's somehow related going back to... You're not island, right, of yeah. course. Those yeah. Well, it's actually, New, uh, Australia is a continent, but they want to call it an island, but it's so big. Come it's on. an island and a it's continent. And a continent. It's yeah, just, right. it's bordering on the edge of both of those. That's right. That's yeah. interesting. Mm. My goodness. So tell me, so growing up, what was it like for you? You didn't like your father. I understand that, your stepfather. My stepfather yeah. Was he abusive to you? Name. Was he abusive to you? Uh, no, actually, he was a very reasonable person. But um, I just, uh, yeah, I just didn't take to him. You know, some kids just don't take to parents that are not theirs. But you weren't close to your father either. No, I was close to my father. For six um, years, well, not six years, yeah, say three I years. Missed him. I missed him when he left, yeah. uh, you know, okay. when, when they separated. And you never got to really see him after that, did you? I know I did. I, I reconnected with him when I was... I know, but uh, I mean, during that time, I mean, ah, up until then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really had no contact. No, no. That's and right. he wasn't writing you, was he? I'm just guessing. No, he, he thought the way Japanese do about divorce, you know, one of the parents has to disappear, mm -hmm. which I hate. Uh, but anyway, uh, he did that.
but as I say, I reconnected with him. I told him I forgave him for, you know, because he, I mean, our first words together were him apologizing about, you know, what happened and that sort of thing. I said, I, I don't blame you for any of it. How old uh, was he at this time, do you know? He was, um, when I reconnected, I think I was uh, maybe 18 or 20. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, he died, uh, he died when I was about 30, 35. And actually he died, uh, you know, deeply in debt uh, because he, he was sick for a long time and uh, just they ran through all his savings and that kind of thing. So actually, uh, the last thing I, the, when I last met him, the last thing I did is that I paid off his mortgage, uh, bought him a decent bed so that, you know, even with his cancer, he could, you know, be comfortable. And uh, I took him on a trip and about three weeks later he died. He was aware so, he was lucid during this whole time. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, of course, he, mm. was, he had morphine, morphine pump and so mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. um, it, we got very close towards the end, and uh, it was a real healing. Uh, I felt it was more for him than for me. Uh, you know, I'd already got past whatever challenges I had as a kid. I had enough challenges as a But you were his first child. I was. Okay, and yeah. he just had your sister after? No, I have half sister. Okay, so he got and married I'm, again. I'm okay. close to her. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, mm. So you are you close to your? I mean, your your full sister too, right? Yes, I'm close to my full sister. That's yeah. good. Yeah. See, you have all these women in your lives. I do. <laughs> because I mean, you have four children. Of your, you have you have five <laughs> children of your own. Yes, that's right. You know, four girls and one boy. That's right. Wow. Yeah. You beat me by one. <laughs> yeah, but mine are all boys, so well, I beat you. Yeah, that, I as beat you know, that. Uh, having that many kids in uh, Japan keeps you poor. I've always said they said Taihen, I said Tanashi. Tanashi. I never said Taihen. I always believed yeah. it was Tanashi because it's something I chose to do. I'm sure you chose to do it too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, did you I, know you I wanted five, or did you? No, but I did tell my uh, because I've been married twice. So mm -hmm. my current wife is my second wife, Kumi. Uh, I did say to her after the third one, uh, maybe we should take a break. <laughs> she wanted to go for another one or two, you know, and I, I thought maybe that's a bit too much. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll have to establish another two companies just to pay for their education. <laughs> what were you like in school? Let's start from elementary school. I was um, in New Zealand. Uh, I was a difficult child. Um, I uh, didn't fit in school. Uh, I, I've never been a good uh, team learner. I mean, I can play the game, and uh, as you get older, you learn that you have to play the game. Um, but I was always very independent. So were you like? So were you were you bigger than most of the kids? Or were you the same size? Did you have problems um, physically? Is that when you guys I was really good at sports. Uh, what sports? Which ones? Uh, anything involving running. I was a, I was a runner. Okay. Yeah. So I had very good lungs. Uh, yeah. I played soccer. Um, I played for my city uh, when I was fourteen. I, I represented the city of Taranga for the under 16s uh, in soccer. Because yeah. you say, I mean, I can tell, you rode your bicycle from here. Yeah. You're in Shibuya, aren't you? I'm in Shibuya. It's right behind Tokyo Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I know. it's like 10 minutes. Away. You're right, yeah. That's yeah. what people say, they ride bikes to people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to ride intensely. Um, I like to um, uh, try to pass as many young people as I can. It makes me feel good. <laughs> and uh, it's intensity training, right? So, okay. Yeah. Is that what you do for your physical training? Or for your, just, you do that for your yeah, aerobic every, training mostly? Every year I uh, try to do one or two long rides, uh, mm -hmm. usually five, six hundred kilometers. Alone? Uh, well, recently friends have been wanting to join me. 
Okay. So they'll drop in and drop out again. So right. they'll pick up and do two or three days together and then drop out and I just keep going. How many days do you usually do this? Uh, so I do once or twice a year. Uh, last year I skipped. Uh, this year I will start again. Um, I've been doing it for about five years. So two years ago I, I rode from uh, Kokura in uh, Kitakushu all the way down the west coast of Kyushu to Kaimandake and then back up to... Um, so you took a ferry Sakura from Jima. Tokyo? Yeah. Or Yokohama? You took uh, a ferry? I flew. I flew down you flew to there, okay. Kokura. Took your bike with you, okay. Yeah, took my bike with me and then reassembled it. And uh, yeah, so that's about 600 kilometers. Now you did that alone? No, I, I... Well, I did the first day alone and the last two days alone. Okay. But otherwise, no, I was with a friend uh, from Osaka and he joined me down in Kurume. And then we rode for three days together. Wow. Yeah, about 100 kilometers a day. It keeps you fit. I bet it would. Yeah, you lose a lot of weight as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you keep, you keep, keep yourself real lean yeah. and mean. Yeah. That's so you didn't ride while you were in school, though. You didn't start this till later. Uh, actually, I did ride while I was in school, but um, we, we were, uh, well, single parent. Uh, we didn't have any money. So um, I always got uh, things that didn't fit. Wait, wait. But your mother, you said her side of the family was wealthy. Yeah, but they got a thing about, um, you know, uh, you make your own way. How many, how many siblings does she have? Uh, she had uh, two siblings. And where was she? In the them? middle. She was in the middle? Yeah. Was there a boy above her? Yes, and he was the wealthy one. And then what about under her? Uh, a troubled younger sister who okay. actually became a missionary. All right. Yeah. So she was on the beach with her two kids. Yeah. And they just said, okay, you're good to go. And they didn't do anything to help you? I know they did. I mean, my mother actually worked for her brother. Okay. So he gave her a job. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, you're expected to make your own way. So he gave her a job, but she had to make her own money. Did you get close with your uncle? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, he was a businessman and always uh, doing businessy things. So he didn't have a lot of time for kids. What about your cousins? I was quite close to my cousins. And were they girls or boys? Uh, one girl, one boy. The oldest was a girl? And the the oldest was a girl. Which yeah. one are you closest to? Are you still close to them? Uh, I'm, I'm, close, I'm close, but not super close, you know, not like brother and sister close. But okay. if I had a problem, they would help me, I think. I see. Yeah. And vice versa? Yes, yeah, of course. Oh, wow. Mm. Are they older than you or younger? Uh, I'm amongst the cousins because there were six kids on my mother's side, you know, like my mother had a sister and a brother. Each of them had two kids. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, the nuclear family. Uh, that's what they did back in the 60s, right? Everybody yeah. followed the same formula. Right. Dr. Spock and two kids and have to have the kids within two, and three Japan years. And Japan picked that up afterwards, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there were six of us and uh, the, the older four, uh, which are um, my mother's brother's kids and, and me and my sister, we spent well, four or five years growing up together because we lived in the bottom of their garden, right? And uh, then the other two, uh, we would see them frequently as well. Um, as I say, their mother was quite troubled, mm -hmm. became a missionary, and uh, actually she died in a road accident uh, in the Philippines. Actually, a pretty horrible road accident. The, she was in the back of a jeepney, and uh, the only exit was through the front uh, for some reason. And the jeepney lost uh, power, started rolling back down a hill, and everybody else managed to jump out except her, and it went over a cliff. So, um, yeah, from missionary to meet your maker. Wow, <laughs> my goodness. Did you know her well? Uh, yes, I did know her quite well, yeah. Mm. 
But, um, you know, uh, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So tell me, you, you're watching your uncle yes. have this wealth or have the ability to do basically whatever he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He was very much business-minded. Yes. When did it start to spark into you that, look, I don't like living out on the beach. <laughs> Well, and this, this time, this time, this in this yeah. mindset, yeah. I want to be able to do what I want to do. When sure. did you decide you wanted to? Well, to be honest, uh, I was uh, I had a very clouded mind when I was young, so um, I had no clear idea about anything. Everything that happened to me was an accident. The only thing I knew is that I wanted to leave home as soon as possible. So, um, my grandfather, who was dying, I was very close to my grandfather, my mother's father. And uh, he died when I was 15. Uh, he died on the day I got my exam results uh, from the high school exam that they do. And I went, I rode down there excited to tell him my exam results and he had died that morning. So um, after that, uh, I, you know, I just wanted to leave home. I didn't like my stepfather. Uh, so I, um, I went and worked in a factory actually, uh, an electronics factory. Now to get into that factory, I had to have somewhere to live. And uh, they had already taken their full complement of uh, apprentices, it's an apprenticeship, that's what they call it. And uh, so I had to live in a cheese factory. Um, and uh, around this time I became a vegetarian. So actually it wasn't so bad because I had a copious supply of cheese. But it was kind of rough, it was, uh, it was a very old building. It was like a military barracks. Uh, I hated that, so um, I worked uh, day and night all the overtime I could. I worked in the weekends, and I bought myself a caravan, and I lived down uh, in a uh, what we call a motor camp, uh, which is um, where people park their caravans. And so that winter, uh, I I had a very tough time because I was still paying off the caravan, uh, and there was uh, probably about two or three weeks where I lived off um, pippies, uh, which are shellfish uh, that you dig from the beach. And apples. Um, so there was that fall, the first fall that I left. Are these on. boiled pippi? You have to boil uh, yes, them. Yes, I would boil the pippies okay, right. and eat the apples raw. Okay. And uh, yeah, I lived off apples and pippies for some time. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I think I was getting paid um, fourteen dollars a week, um, mm -hmm. about one thousand four hundred yen a okay. week. All right. And I had a car because I had to get from the motor camp to the uh, to the factory. Uh, and the car cost me about $12 a week. So, yeah, and I still had to pay the motor camp fees and that sort of you thing. You started well. doing this from 15, age of 15? Uh, I was 16 by then. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so I had a tough time for the first three years. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And um, I left that factory after two and a half years. Actually, I almost got killed at the factory. I, I was uh, electrified. Uh, I still have the scars on my hand. Um, I was helping an electrician and he uh, made a mistake and, and uh, put a sign on the uh, switch uh, gear door, uh, the panel, and uh, the, uh, it was a very old panel, very old factory, and uh, basically the door flipped open so nobody could see the sign. So he had turned off all the circuit breakers and I was holding the main cable, uh, the conduit cable for this factory of about 200 people. So it was a very heavy-duty cable, one in each hand, and somebody I flipped the circuit breaker back on. So luckily for me, I was uh, standing on a You're wooden grounded. platform. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I wasn't. You weren't grounded if you were grounded. Uh, well, I wasn't grounded. That's right. how that's I survived. That's it. I know. That's if you would have been grounded, you'd have been blown. Uh, I would have been uh, killed that's instantly. Right. So uh, I felt shaking. Uh, then suddenly my arms, you know, uh, you know, went this way and arcing and the smell of burned skin. And uh, yeah, they rushed me down to the doctor. Um, I was fine, you know, I mean, I, I guess my heart might have got a little bit of a trigger or something, uh, but I, I survived. But that guy, the electrician, he got fired and mm. he got bad from li for life mm. uh, from being an electrician. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for him, but anyway, uh, it was his... It could have been worse. Yeah. It could have been worse, yeah, it could have been dead. Wow. Yeah. So then you decided to go to Austria. Uh, no, what happened after that? I left that factory and I, I, I actually moved back to the beach that I used to live on when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Right. And so I learned how to fix TVs. But you're staying with your mother now? Uh, no, no. I, I, by that time I'd long left home and uh, I was completely independent. Right. Uh, so I, I learned how to fix TVs and uh, I did that for about a year and a half. And it's important because when I was 19 and I left for Australia, uh, the, the first, you know, trip across, I bought an old car with a friend and we drove around Australia as you do. And then I went to England and Turkey and various other places and then I came back to Australia and I got a job at a computer company. Wait, wait, wait. You, you said you went to England? You went to Turkey? Yeah, yeah. I traveled all over. Wait, wait, so you saved up your... Wait, just, wait, wait. Now, where does the money come from? Uh, so the last two years I was fixing TVs, um, okay. I, I, right, I right. would uh, do night shifts and uh, I had uh, side jobs and stuff like that. And you knew how much it was going to take, you needed to do your trip, so you'd had a plan of how much you needed to make, you think? Was it like um, that? I left New Zealand with uh, a round the world ticket, uh, which at that time cost about $2,000 okay. and $500 in my pocket. All right. And I came back to New Zealand nine months later with about $50 in my pocket. So, uh, yeah, I traveled cheaply. <laughs> right. But you didn't, you didn't work while you were traveling. I know I did. So, oh, so you were earning money too sometimes. Because I knew how to fix TVs. So oh. people would ask me to fix their TV and I'd charge them $100. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I supported myself. Was that your was first real business, kind of? I wasn't really a business. I, I was just hitchhiking. I right. had a backpack. Um, right. I had a girlfriend, and, and we hitchhiked together, basically. You had her on the whole trip? Uh, I met her on the plane uh, leaving Australia to go to the UK, and we fell in love, and yeah. And she went, you guys went together? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how long was the trip again? So, okay, so I, at 19, I decided to go to Australia. Right. So I went to Australia, and I was there for about six months with my friend. Uh, we bought a car in Brisbane, Australia. We drove uh, over to Perth, and then back again, and then up to Israel. We sold the car in Israel to uh, a local who would sell it to the Aboriginal tribe that lived there. And then we hitchhiked from Israel all the way back to Sydney, uh, which is about uh, 2,000 miles, and uh, took me uh, about seven or eight days. Okay. Yeah. So once I got back to Sydney, I got a temporary job, uh, in electronics because I had an electronics background uh, for about uh, four or five months. That's where, how I saved the money for the round the world ticket. And then I got on a plane and who should I be sitting next to but this woman who became my girlfriend. Okay. So we just hit it off and for the next nine hours on our way to Los Angeles we just talked the whole time. That was one of the stopovers, <coughs> Los Angeles. Yeah, so we never okay. went any further. Yeah, we both got off and, and, and then started hitchhiking around the States.
Didn't you say you went to Turkey? Yeah, I did. So Okay, so I'm getting confused. Right. right. So <laughs> we hitchhiked around the States. Right. We hitchhiked around Canada. Then she got back on, you know, she had a ticket where she could get on and off. So she kept going to Europe. Okay. And uh, I did the Canada thing by myself. And then I wanted to be with her. So I decided to buy a ticket from, I don't know, New York to London and called her up and said, I'm going to be in London. Can you meet me? And she said, okay. And yeah, we tied up. So once we got there, um, basically we uh, did a, a tour for uh, I don't know, three months, something like that. So yeah, we went all the way through Europe uh, as far as Turkey. Mm-hmm. I was going to go overland all the way back to uh, Australia, but uh, that was 1979. And of course right. the Ayatollah came to power and you couldn't get through Iran. So <clears throat> we turned around in Turkey and went back. So she went back to Australia because she had emigrated to Australia. She was British, but emigrated okay. to Australia. And I didn't have any money, so I went to work. Uh, and I went to work in a little town up in what's called the Fens, which is um, where the swamps used to be near Cambridge, and uh, <clears throat> a little place called Ely. Uh, so I, um, I started working for a TV uh, company up there. And luckily for me, the local dentist who everybody loved was a Kiwi. So every time I went out to fix someone's TV, as soon as they found out I was from New Zealand, they wouldn't let me go. I mean, I'd have tea and scones and they wanted to give me stuff and have me for dinner and it was wonderful. So, uh, you know, I really, um, I grew to love uh, the UK. I mean, it's, it's, people were very accepting. And uh, I, I did that for, I don't know, two or three months, uh, saved up the money and headed back to Australia to join my girlfriend. Okay. And then I entered this uh, computer company. Okay. And then that took you, is that how you came here? Well, it is sort of, yeah. So um, by this time I was 20, um, 2021. <clears throat> uh, so I, uh, I returned to Australia. I knew I didn't want to fix TVs and I applied for some computer companies. But this is like 1980, right? So there's no PC yet. Um, and, uh, you know, they look at my resume and say, well, you know, you don't have anything to do with computers. Um, but I got lucky. There was one place uh, that was in the bank business. They, they did computers for banks. And they had all these monitors, computer monitors, which were broken. And nobody wanted to fix them. It was the crappiest job. So um, it would take three days for somebody to fix one of these monitors as an engineer. Uh, so I showed up. And um, I remember clearly the guy telling me that the job paid $14,000 a year, which for me was like uh, a lot. Um, And he said, oh, you've got a competitor. And the competitor has their Bachelor of Engineering. And you have nothing. And uh, I said, okay, um, reduce my salary. And if I'm good, then uh, pay me more later. So I started off on $8,000, which was just enough to live, but not much more. And uh, they put me in this little room, uh, which was surrounded with monitors, which had been there for months or years. And as engineers, they used to go in there and try to um, you know, find what part was wrong. But as a TV technician, we don't think like that. We just rip all the parts out that are related to that particular function and replace them. So I had it down to 20 minutes. I could fix one of these things in 20 minutes. Uh, so within six weeks, I'd cleared the whole room. 
Um, so suddenly they didn't need me uh, fixing these monitors anymore. I mean, I kept fixing them, but it wasn't a full-time job. So they asked me if I wanted to go out into the lab and, and start working on uh, the digital gear. And I said, oh, absolutely. Uh, my girlfriend was going to university. I, I paid for her to go to university. So um, I, I would borrow her card, um, study in the weekends. And um, I learned about digital and uh, started doing coding and that kind of stuff. And where was this again? Sydney, Australia. You're in Sydney. You're still in Sydney. Yeah, right. So she gets through school. You she got through school. Uh, right. Then we broke up. Uh, okay. I was sad. And uh, I wanted to go somewhere far away, um, as you do. I think I was all of 24 by this time. And uh, I was going to go to India. I've always uh, felt an affinity to India. But I had a close friend who'd come back, and he had bad dysentery. And if there's one thing I know, I have a weak stomach. So um, I went to this party, and uh, I was a strict vegetarian by this time. And there was a table full of food, uh, and the guy had just come back from Japan, and I couldn't eat any of it. So I had a bowl of rice, and I got down to the end of the table, and there were some pickles. So I, I picked up these pickles, and I was eating rice and pickles, and there was this one pickle that was really strong, and I, I thought to myself, I'll go to Japan. You know, it's like one of those things, just like random connection. About six months after I arrived in Japan, I found out that the pickle, which was kimchi, doesn't come from Japan. So, so anyway, I, I, I managed to arrive in Japan by mistake. <laughs> Thanks to the kimchi. Thanks to the kimchi, <laughs> that's right. But when I arrived, you know, I was, uh, it turned out I was probably one of the few foreigners who knew what a laser printer was, a hard disk, uh, memory. Now this is uh, what, 80 what? 1983. Wow. And uh, again, just as the PC was being developed. And of course, the original PC, all the parts were developed in Japan. So um, by the time the PC came out, uh, I already had uh, 6801. I was programming it. Uh, it was called a Sim 1. It was one of the very first uh, board computers because I couldn't afford a, a full computer. And uh, so I used to program that. And um, I, I got uh, work uh, editing and writing uh, technical manuals. So yeah, that's how I got started in Japan. So that. That TV thing really served me well all the way through, right. uh, yeah, to get me started into the digital. But your era. work ethic had to be also the thing that really served you the most. I I found that uh, being in Japan, people work hard, and that was that really struck a chord with me. I, I you know, I, I love playing with things. I love playing with um, electronics and and coding and that sort of thing. It's it's not really work, is it? It's kind it's, of I know. No, it's kind of fun. That's right. So um, if yeah. you're geared that way, mm. you see, I find it to be very similar to most people feel about electronics the way that most people feel about math in school. Ah, they get bad teachers first of all. Yeah, that's why they don't understand. Yeah, that's, right. it's all math. Yeah, and when you learn to love it, you can't do without it. Yeah, but you do have to think a different way. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I mean, for me, I, I've always been in technology, so mm -hmm. for me, it's just natural. Right. Um, I'm not a coder these days. I mean, I've long since been out of coding. In fact, I can't even fix the TV now. I can barely fix, um, you know, my my PC's power pack. But um, you know, uh, for a while there, I had an oscilloscope uh, down in my first apartment in um, uh and I was single stepping through the code and and watching the bus and yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I remember you taking me to your office, but by that time you got into publishing. 
Yes, right. That was uh, some, that some was several uh, years lifetimes uh, later. Yeah, but yes. I think it was in Akasaka around that area. Am I wrong? Um, or where was it? Or maybe it could have been in Japan. I've had so many offices. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. But you took me in, and I remember looking at the desk and everything. I forget why why you had me there, but I looked at it, and you had several people there, and they were all working on your. I think you had a couple of magazines. Oh, that would have been in Tengenji Bashi. Tengenji, okay. Yeah, it was a small office. Okay. Uh, my main company, which is the computer company, was across the road. Right. So I had like right. 100 people on that. Right. And, uh, right. But I, I, you know, if I was uh, young these days, I, I would have ADHD. Okay. Um, I can't focus on one thing. I, I, I need to have multiple things to keep my life full okay. and uh, to stay sane. Mm -hmm. It's just how I'm wired. So where are you now? Uh, no, I'm exactly yeah. like that. So right now I run uh, four companies. Um, I'm invo involved in a bunch of others. Okay. Yeah. Can you say what the four companies are? Uh, yeah, I've got a, um, uh, well, Japan Travel, the, mm -hmm. the travel business. Um, i got a, a spin-off, a, a, a travel tech company called Toursoft, um, a software company called Metroworks, and uh, an M&A company um, called uh, Japan Inc. Holdings. And I'm also fairly heavily involved in uh, a medical devices company in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah. So how many people do you think you basically employ? Right um, now. Right now. Well, as few as possible, right? <laughs> but, I understand but, that. But uh, I don't know, roughly 40 or 50. Okay, because in the day, yeah. back in the day, I you, you, pri you had yeah. to. You pride yourself. You, yeah. If you had your company and you had less than 20 people, yeah. nobody wanted to talk to you yeah. in yeah. Japan. That's right. Well, before the Lehman Shock, I had yeah. about 300 people. Okay. Yeah. Right, I think that <laughs> Lehman Shock got at a lot of people. Uh, you got know, a lot of people, and they started looking at things completely different. Yeah, th those two years were pretty rough. Um, right. But, you know, I'm built for uh, the down periods, so, right. uh, you know, I survived, obviously. So how, did the co how has COVID affected you? No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a nothing event for me. Uh, like, you know, compared to some of the other tests that I've had in my career, of course, it's, it's rough. I mean, I'm in a travel business, and we're not allowed to pursue our business purpose, mm -hmm. right? So we, we live on subsidies and uh, whatever else we can generate while we wait for the borders to reopen. Right. Right. But um, COVID, in a way, personally, has been quite good for my personal development. How? Well, first of all, I, I resurrected our M&A business, and I've been helping our friends uh, sell and fund companies. So I've done three successfully so far, and I've got mm -hmm. another two that look like they're going to go well also. Uh, and then I've been working on some new projects. Uh, one project, uh, you, 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 you know about crypto, so you know about Satoshi Nakamoto. Yes, okay. Yeah, so Satoshi Nakamoto is the most famous person that no one knows anything That's about. That's what I'm saying, right. So I built a backstory for him. So I, I copyrighted it about three weeks ago. Uh, the website is called talesofsatoshi.com. And I assembled some psychologists uh, a Buddhist monk and a few other uh, relevant people, a crypto crypto guy, and uh, basically I created a whole persona for Satoshi based on psychological models. Uh, so what we did is we went through all his posts, and then we ascribed personality uh, behind the posts, and then I created family forum going back four generations. Uh, so you get nature and nurture. So you get your genetics. Uh, so I've, I've created a whole person, basically. So when's it going to come out? Uh, about uh, two, three weeks ago. It came out already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? 
Uh, so it's, uh, right now I'm just doing it for copyright. Uh, so I haven't done any PR okay, so it hasn't promotion. Been, okay. No one's seen it yet. Uh, no, if you go to uh, talesofsatoshi.com, you can see it. And I did announce it on LinkedIn. Uh, okay. So I had a few hundred people go there. But uh, I haven't sort of pushed it out to the world yet. Okay. Yeah. But you plan on doing that soon? Yeah, so what I'm doing is I, I've created a, um, a series of stories, uh, like a community novel. And uh, so initially it's myself and another writer, uh, and now we're going to solicit other writers to come in, and we're basically creating all these incidents that happened to him uh, to shape him into the person that he became. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. I, I drew a lot from my personal experiences. Okay, so is, so a lot of Satoshi is going to end up being you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> me and people I know. You know. People okay. I know. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, uh, I was approached by the Russians uh, back in the 90s. They wanted to buy parts from me when I was running my computer business. Right, right, right. Uh, I didn't pursue it, but anyway. Uh, well, Toshiba did. Uh, didn't they get in trouble because they, they sold these electric motors? they use for their submarines that were quiet. Yeah. And they got, I think I'm pretty sure it was Toshiba. Yeah, well, funny you what should bring up Toshiba. So actually, I, I was the first successful uh, case by the Fair Trade Commission against Toshiba. Uh, so I actually um, got the help of the uh, Australian Embassy, I think, at that time. And um, we bought a case through the FTC to Toshiba because they were preventing me from buying parts to repair their PCs. And so they were forced to uh, sell me spare parts, uh, which was necessary because Morgan Stanley was my major client and they were using Toshiba PCs. That's interesting. 1990, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've had a lot of firsts along the way. But anyway, just to finish up with uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, I've, I've created this backstory on people that I know. So yeah, I met the Russians, uh, the CIA tried to recruit me at one point. Um, you know, had some brushes with the Yakuza being in the same building as me. Uh, I was in this building where there was this dating service and Yakuza were duking it out with the dating service. Um, yeah, lots of interesting stories. So I've sort of bound them and, and binding them with fiction uh, into this Satoshi Nakamoto thing. Oh, that was neat. Yeah. Wow. Do you see yourself being here indefinitely, or do you plan on living somewhere else? Or do no, you already have places yeah. everywhere else? I, I, you know, my wife and I are talking about it, but the problem is there are not many places better than here, right? Oh, I mean, preaching to the choir. You got you got Australia, you got New Zealand. They're both great places, and so okay, so maybe we will spend half our time down there, and half our time in Japan, maybe. Uh, who knows? Mm -hmm. Right now, my wife is at the peak of her career. Uh, I think I told you that uh, she works at the New Zealand Embassy. Uh, she's interpreting for the New Zealand Prime Minister tomorrow and the day after. So I, I'm totally proud of her and, and I want her to, you know, have, seize this moment. She's been a mom, right? And mm -hmm. then suddenly she can go back to her career. Yeah, we don't know where we're going to wind up. Mm -hmm. And uh, frankly speaking, I, I'm still in business creation mode, so I'm not ready anyway. Okay. Uh, maybe another 10 years or so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Terry, I'm going to end with this. That's sure. been phenomenal. What do you consider to be a good life in Japan? Um, having kids that are fulfilled and having friends uh, who like you and uh, that you were able to help. Oh, I'll end with that. I want to thank you so much for taking the thank time, you. Terry. Great. Thank it's you. been fantastic. All of you watching this podcast, make sure you press like, subscribe, 
And remember, it's all unknown, so keep reaching for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. Thank you.